0: Hello and welcome in to the Fire Me Up podcast. Uh, I'm your host Drew Matthews and Ben Brownlee. How are you doing tonight? How's it going? Good to be back. Good. We're recording live in the music city, Nashville, Tennessee. And Ben's out there in Denver as usual and granola country, hippie country. Um, <laughs>
1: oh, I'm, I'm doing my best to uh, to make sure it doesn't get too crazy out here.
0: Yeah, no, no. I I, I think you should. I, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting time to be in Denver with all that you know smoke going up and all the, all the all that, yeah all that recreational uh smoking activity um well uh so ben what's your drink of choice tonight
1: i've actually got a landing kugel summer shandy
0: that is a classic ben brownley beer uh, one for, of my
1: uh one of my favorites dating back to the, the ku days yeah
0: for sure I, i'm going with the corona extra tonight um and you know, let's get started. We got a great episode for you today. It's kind of a different episode. We're kind of deviating from what we normally do, but I, I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, we should have some good laughs. We should you know, kind of reminisce back on some memories. But um, wanted to open up the show, and um, you know, this obviously isn't you know um, the most pleasant subject. Subject, but Cedric Benson passed away last night. Uh, the the legendary running back at a University of Texas. Um, so rest in peace, Cedric Benson. Uh, ben do you have any good memories of watching him play? I know you're you're from the the Texas country.
1: Yeah man, I just actually was talking to my dad this morning when I uh, saw the news that uh, unfortunately he had passed away in a motorcycle accident. Uh, but was remembering uh, my first UT football game I ever went to with my dad against Oklahoma State back in like the early 2000s. Um I think it was I think it was maybe Vince Young's first season and Cedric Benson was one of the leaders on the team and they were down 35 to 7 at halftime and and You know, led by Cedric Benson and Vince Young came back and won that game, which was just unbelievable. It's all always remember that game. I remember watching Cedric play and um, he was he was incredible out there. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully he's in a better place.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a dynamic duo right there. I mean, Cedric Benson was known as a bruiser and tough guy. So, um, you know, rest in peace. And it's a shame he and shame he passed away early. um, But I'm sure he's in a better place now. Um, so, so moving on here, um, we got some quick updates before we get to the meat of the show and I'll explain the meat of the show later. Um, but we just want to kind of give the hard knocks update. Um, episode two was spectacular. I liked it a lot more than episode one. I don't know about you Ben. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you mean the, the way they focused on the backup quarterbacks,
1: instead of focusing on Derek Carr and his baby oil arms, <laughs> uh, you know, I can see why you liked it better.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I thought it was good. I mean, there was more John Gruden. It was more just football, not, none of this, uh, you know, hot air balloon garbage and riding on horses through, you know, wine country. <laughs> Got enough of that in uh, in Bridesmaids. Uh, so, <laughs> What do
1: you think of this, uh, that safety? What's his name Abram? What do you think of him?
0: You know, uh, he, he looks like a great talent, but he seems really immature uh, for whatever, a 22, 23-year-old guy. He seems kind of immature. Don't you agree? Well,
1: I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to – I feel like it's hard to make that judgment based on, you know, a few minutes of TV here and there, but – uh, I mean, well, if you're talking about the first episode when he was out to dinner. He was being a little goofy. But I think in episode two, you know, when, when again, like they focused a little more on the football stuff. I think he was really kind of his – he was shining a little bit more, uh, you know, out there making plays, just trying to hit people, be aggressive in the in the preseason and then make his mark.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked him in the second episode, but, you know, that first episode wasn't that good to him. Um, but uh, one guy they – just briefly I want to mention, one guy they have not even shown um, and I didn't even realize he was on the Raiders until he tweeted, but, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, the Alabama running back from last year, kind of the, the star of the team, uh, per se outside of Tua Tonga um, he tweeted, he was like, you know, just to let you know, you don't see my hard, hard knocks because I, I've been hiding from them. Um, so <laughs> either, either he's not really making a splash or he's purposely just trying to stay away from the, their camera. So we'll see if he's on the show, but. Um, I, I totally forgot he was on their team. I think he was a first round draft pick. For uh, it might have been second round. Mm,
1: they talked about the first round draft pick. It was like one of the D linemen.
0: Let's see here.
1: And then actually another guy who I really liked uh, was the D lineman from Eastern Michigan uh, with a a big tat sleeve. But that guy he he was just funny because the way he you know he breaks his hand on there in a game. He, he's like, yeah, put me back out there. Put a cast on it. Yeah, so so I thought he really kind of embodies sort of the the John Gruden you know. Be tough. Get out there and play through it. Raider mentality. Oh yeah. Cast
0: on it. He oh seems yeah. Seems like a
1: good guy for the Raiders to have.
0: Yeah, he looks like a. He definitely looks like a Michigan man. Um, I oh, I, man. I know he went to Central Michigan, but he looks like a Michigan dude. And uh, you know, just to uh, Josh Jacobs was drafted uh, first round, pick twenty four. So I mean, oh really? It's kind of amazing he hasn't been featured on that at all, considering he was a first round draft choice.
1: That is interesting. I didn't – yeah, I didn't realize.
0: Um,
1: well, maybe, well, maybe we'll see him later. Maybe he won't hide forever. Um, or maybe Nick Saban's just, you know, gotten into his head. And stay away from the media. Don't talk to him. Yeah,
0: people. that's – it's. yeah, it's rat poison, Brownlee. Okay. Um, yeah, anything else from uh, Hard Knocks or you, you kind of want to move on here? Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I think we, we, we got some good, uh, good stuff here for the main part of the show. So just, you know, a quick recap. New guy I like is the, the Michigan – or Central Michigan in D-lineman as a guy to watch going
0: forward. Okay, cool. Uh, well, moving on our another uh, weekly segment, uh, what made us laugh this week. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it um, you know made you laugh if you saw it. But I'm going to go first and just uh, – so I, I was scrolling through Twitter like I normally do every day, part of my daily ritual. Um, and I, <laughs> see, I see this video, and it's of a midget, this, this little guy, this little midget – Running around a football field, throwing the ball, like trying to do moves and stuff. And it says, the caption is, "When Kyler Murray's in mid-season form here." <laughs> the joke being because he's so short, he's like five nine or something like that uh, on a good day. But um, that, that made me laugh. And I encourage you to go look at that. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, the Arizona Cardinals—they may have a rough year this year. Supposedly in the preseason, uh, Cliff Kingsbury have not necessarily been on the same page. So. Kyler Murray, uh, and, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, we have a tough one this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They have not looked good in the preseason. I caught a little bit of their preseason game this week and it was garbage, not good. <laughs>
1: well, I, I actually, uh, I, this may have been last week. I can't remember exactly when you posted it, but, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about coach Mack Brown, former Texas coach, current Tar Heel, North Carolina Tar Heels coach, you know, great guy, great man, great coach. Uh, but uh, maybe not a great Instagram guy. Uh, I want to say he posted a picture with him and some dudes. Uh, he had his eyes closed in the picture and decided it was a good idea to post that. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, one, one too many, one too many libations for Coach Brown. Uh, <laughs> I don't even, I don't
1: even know if it was too many libations or just uh, you know poor, poor choice of, of uh, posting.
0: But uh, his blood sugar was um, low. His blood sugar was low. Know, stick,
1: stick to the field and uh, stay off Instagram, Coach Brown. Let your Let
0: your media department handle that. I think mean, it's fine. <laughs> of advice there oh man oh that's good stuff all right so before we get into the meat of the show I- i'm really excited about the show and i know ben is too um because we're kind of taking it in a different direction we're in the midst of the of talking season not really any sports going on um i don't consider preseason football to be a sport um i consider that to be just total garbage for money um <sighs> we already talked about that last week yeah um so shout out jermaine curse um you know you just gets injured like that for nothing. And I just don't really get it. Um, anyway, so this show is going to be awesome. And it was kind of sparked, uh, an idea that Ben had, um, this past week and we wanted to kind of go back and relive some of our best, um, and most, you know, the most, you know, most memorable moments, um, in sports in our lifetime that we've watched or been at the game, um, or just kind of, you know, been a part of in some way, either as a, as a fan or just somebody watching the game. Um, And so we're going to kind of go down a list here. We're not really going to rank them. We might, you know, we might rank them at the end. Who knows? The show's kind of off the rails and that's what we do here. So, uh, but it'll, it'll be, yeah, we'll, we'll dissect them all. And, uh, we've got the radio calls here. Um, you know for quite a few of them so that'll be exciting for you to kind of relive it um just in case you don't want to hear us dribble on and or dribble on and retell them like a bunch of old fogies uh well we're gonna do that but, yeah um, we're gonna no, do no, that we'll so just, uh, we'll just uh just we'll get the chance to hear what we're talking about you know make sure just your just six-pack just pack is ready and, and make sure you're buckled in because we're gonna get uh we're gonna get deep here into some some old school football <laughs> stuff and old school basketball <laughs> stuff so um so, <laughs> um, so why don't we go, kick well, yeah let, yeah fire me up Woo um, so the first thing uh, right off the docket um, is probably the most memorable thing for me as far as college football goes um, in my lifetime, and I would you know go out there and say it's probably the most memorable thing for you. But uh, the 2006 BCS National Championship Game between Texas and USC, and in my in opinion, in, yep, in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. I just am going out there and saying that is the most iconic. And best college football game I've ever seen. Would you agree? Um,
1: I mean, it was yeah. If you're talking, if you're talking star power, hype buildup, all time great teams playing against each other. You know, I mean, if, if USC wins that game, it's they're probably considered like you know the Golden State Warriors' best team ever of all time, or or you know the '96 Bulls' best team ever of all time, kind of kind of hype. Oh yeah. Um, and you know Texas with uh with with Vince Young, obviously. At the top of his game, uh, like coming in undefeated was really the best, probably the best team USC had ever seen. I mean, and, and after they won, proved they're
0: the best team USC had, had ever played during that stretch of their dominance. So, yeah, know. pretty off- unbelievable team. Yeah, no, I mean, un- unbelievable team. And uh, before we get into it more, we're going to break down after the audio here. So, um, you know, let's hear the call. <sighs> Well, how about that call from Keith Jackson there? Um, so Keith Keith Jackson is a longtime college football announcer. Uh, I think it was he's called for at least at least thirty years, and that was his his final call as a broadcaster, which is pretty amazing. Um, shout out Washington State. Uh, he's an alumni of uh, the w- Wazoo Cougs, and uh, th- I mean that was just the most iconic moment of the game, and really one of the most iconic moments in football. I mean, just Vince Young coming up to the line, and it's fourth and five with the national title on the line, and just incredible incredible audio there um I, I just don't think it gets any better than that um i mean you
1: can't set the stage with a better call like you know with one play to go and then just have a result like that that defines that defines exactly what happened i mean the national championship on the line and then just you know the guys it's almost like he he was vince young was there listening to the call on the field Oh, like the Nationals have, all right, I got to go get this.
0: I got to go get this. And then, you know, yeah. he goes and he goes and gets the corner and, and wins the game. Going for the corner. He's got it. Just incredible. I mean,
1: unbelievable. Well, I mean, okay, so the final play, obviously, just uh, that's a moment. But the whole game is a moment in, in my memory as well. I mean, just like we were saying, all the stars that are in that game. Reggie Bush wins the Heisman. Vince Young was the runner-up. Matt Leinart had previously won the Heisman. I mean <laughs> – just so many guys out there that really were just unbelievable. And of course, you know, Matt liner, maybe and Vince young didn't end up having the best NFL careers, um, which is a whole other topic. But when they were, when they were in college, man, that was just, those were, that, those were the guys. Those were the teams to
0: watch. Yeah. I mean, so, so let's back it up here to kind of set the stage. Um, for those of you that weren't plugged in in 2005 and 2006, USC was absolutely dominant in football. um, and USC is a proud program, tradition rich program that had just had won the national championship last year, had recently had two Heisman trophy winners. One of them, Matt Leinert on the team at quarterback. And then you had Reggie Bush who Heisman trophy winner, whether the, the oh, NCAA, year. yeah, a, a, of that year ended up you know, with the NCAA wants to recognize that or not. He was the Heisman trophy winner. He was, Probably the most electric player I've ever seen on the field, um and so you and have. Forget you ha-
1: about the other running back, lindale White. You know they called him Thunder and Lightning. Yep. Reggie Bush, Bush was the lightning, and lindale White was the thunder. Yep. Of, he was the really, Bruiser. Uh, the Marshawn Lynch of USC in those days. Oh,
0: definitely, definitely. So I mean, that team was incredible, and it's hard not to be a fan of that team. I mean, I, I, I you know, when I was watching the game, I didn't have a rooting interest, but I just, you know, I like both the teams and. What what made that game so hyped up was, obviously, the players on the team were great, but USC was coming in, reigning national championship, undefeated, um, just had won a super close game against um, Notre Dame and the whole Bush-Push thing. We won't go into that, but... Um, I want to say, though, too, that not, USC was not just a defending champion. They were back-to-back defending
1: champions. They were coming in trying to win their third in a row or third in four years or something like that, I
0: think. Yeah, no, I think it was their third in a row. and. They were trying to win their third in a row, but they had never done that. Um, I'll, I'll kind of confirm that. But for me, what made this game so great and why I love college football was it was two of the top five most tradition rich, proud programs playing in the most iconic setting and stadium in college football for the national championship at night. I mean, it just does not get any better than that. I mean, the Rose Bowl, I've never been, but everything I see on TV and from what uh, my parents have told me um, is just the best place to see a game. I mean, the pageantry, the bands, you know, you got the, the burnt orange and white and you got the, um, you know, the crimson and gold. And, and it just, it just doesn't get any better than that.
1: I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, and, and as a Texas fan too, the result obviously helps help that game live on, you know, and, and uh, just being an awesome memory, uh, watching your team, watching your team win a championship um, was, was pretty exciting. And, uh, just, you know, always remember it fondly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was incredible. And, um, you know, one, one other thing I wanted to get to, uh, you know, kind of the key players that we forgot to mention were two absolutely legendary coaches. Um, you got Mac Brown, who I love, I'm a huge Mac Brown fan. Uh, I think he does, you know, he does an awesome job and he's just, I feel like he's a, a down home guy. And, um, you know, national championship winning coach after that game um and you know of course you have Pete Carroll um who's you know a hall of fame coach and then it will be a hall of fame coach in the NFL will be a hall of fame coach at, um in college um won a won a Super Bowl in Seattle and won two national championships at USC i just looked it up so hall of fame
1: in the NFL you sure you think so
0: oh yeah he'll be in the hall of fame i think so yeah. That's uh, I don't know I don't know
1: I don't know if I go that far but I don't know man legendary coach legendary coach at USC and you know has some great years with the Seahawks still may have some more in the future uh, I think
0: I think I think he'll be a, I mean you know he's won one Super Bowl been to two in a row and I I would imagine the Seahawks get to one more while he's a coach I don't know if he'll win one but I would imagine the Seahawks get to another Super Bowl as long as Russell Wilson stays healthy and um you know Pete Carroll's the coach it's not too crazy to think that they would go to another one before he calls it a day um or calls it a career I should say but in college just unbelievable I mean you you were right um that you know USC won the 2003 national title they won the 2004 national title and they were in the championship game in 2005 um the 2005 season so you know it's just incredible um you know a great game any more any more thoughts on that game or do you want to kind of move along here
1: yeah, I think we can move along, but man, you know, never, never forget that game. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So this next one is near and dear to my heart. Um, well, kind of, most of these are actually. Um, uh, I mean, they are. They are. They're our favorite. Our favorite memories, man. So, yeah. You know, you and I just uh,
1: real, real, uh, real cool stuff, and and uh, I know this next one is is, is really your your favorite um or one of your favorites but uh, I, I remember as well
0: yeah so this is the famous um beast mode run or the beast quake um and to, <laughs> to kind of set the stage for those of you that aren't seattle fans or don't really follow football too closely um you know this game was um you know between the seahawks and the um uh the new orleans saints And our, you know, the Seahawks running back was Marshawn Lynch. Um, You know, we were playing them for the, you know, the NFC championship or no, no, playing for a ticket to go to the NFC championship. Um, This was, this was like the first round, I believe. Oh yeah, you're right. This was the, yeah, this was the first round. And, but what it was, was the, the Saints were the reigning um, Super Bowl champions. So we, we just had no chance, but when the game's in Seattle, we always have a chance.
1: Well, and not only were, were you guys playing the defending Super Bowl champs, I believe Seattle had a, actually a losing record in the regular season, which is the first time it ever happened where a team with a losing record made the playoffs. There had been some 8 and 8 teams, I believe, that made it, but this was a 7 and 9 team. Yeah,
0: 8 9, eight, made nine the teams. And was playing
1: the defending Super Bowl champs.
0: Right. Um, so to kind of set the stage, uh, Seattle has the ball. Um, and we'll go to the audio here real quick, and um, just kind of give you the give you the recap, and um, you can hear it hear it for yourself in the audio, and then we'll kind of break it down for you.
1: Crowd silent now, as opposed to when the Saints have the ball. in my life from a running back who they traded for from buffalo downhill physical and down the field you're gonna see matt hasselbeck and the whole offensive line watch him cut it back and you're gonna see all kinds of people sprinting down the field to help him he breaks the tackle of shanley runs through sharper runs through adele runs through Jabari Greer. Get off me, he says to Tracy Porter. Look all the way down the field, Hasselbeck. All the offensive linemen. Are you kidding me?
0: And how about that, man? I mean, what a call. What a run. So to break it down here before I, before I get Ben's reaction here, that was a 67-yard touchdown run um, with nine broken tackles by Marshawn Lynch and a crotch grab as he dives into the end zone. Um, oh my God. yep there's the famous call um just absolutely mauls tracy porter just pushes him down like a small child and just bulldozes (laughs) into the end zone um so yeah the longest um touchdown run in playoff history um just totally unbelievable um you know what's your reaction to that i I mean i know you're not a seahawks guy but that's the thing i mean you know you're saying you weren't you're not a you're not a usc or ut fan but that game was awesome to you that's that's how this one was for me i mean i wasn't a fan of either team but I mean, if you just like great
1: sports and great moments, that is just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's got to be one of the funniest ones on this list too, just because of like how ridiculous like the fact that that happened is, and like how ridiculous you know if you if you know anything about Marshawn Lynch, what a character he is, that he was able to pull that off. And I want to say that was kind of the beginning of his kind of coming. That was his coming out party, where he really came into the limelight after that run.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he had some time in Buffalo and it didn't go well. But once he came to the Seahawks, man, it was go time. I mean, he was the best running back in the league for a couple of years during our Super Bowl runs. Not necessarily at that time, but, um, you know, incredible, incredible player. And, um, you know, just kind of kind of for a perspective here, um, you know, you may have heard the crowd noise. So when you know, once he burst through the first couple of tackles and, and ran through the the line of scrimmage, there was a seismograph reading. For an earthquake, because of the crowd noise, it was just totally incredible. Never heard anything like that. (laughs) Well, okay, so
1: here's here's what I want to know. You know, the call is, oh yeah, look at all these linemen, look at that back. running down there blocking. I mean, how bad of blocking were they doing? This guy broke nine tackles. So you're telling me he ran sixty-seven yards, broke nine tackles but actually had some blocking help. I don't think he had any blocking
0: help. <laughs> well, he he like bulldozed through some linemen and then like just bashed his way through some linebackers. It's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> how does that happen? Like, how does one guy push over that many people well, and the, then
1: have the energy to like flip over and dive and grab his shit
0: Yeah, the best part is when he just, Tracy Porter's kind of got him locked up and, and he just pushes him down to the ground and the announcer just loses it. Just so I mean, funny. Guy, I, I want to say Tracy Porter, like he gets pushed and his hands like fly up in the air. He's like, "Whoa!"
1: And he literally just like like he got <laughs> shot by like an invisible ray gun. So it was just Marshawn Lynch just shoving him over oh, like man. he said, a small child.
0: Oh man, that is great stuff, man. That's one of my favorite memories in sports. I mean, I know I'm a Seahawks fan, but that that's just that's just hilarious. Well, and then it's also the uh, well, you know that was the Saints and they won the Super Bowl and they
1: held their like this is before their whole bounty gate scandal. I mean, these guys are literally getting paid to go kill people but Marshawn Lynch is the one doing the killing
0: <laughs> oh man it's it's sweet when you get beat by an 8-9 team in the playoffs uh,
1: <laughs> I mean what's the other one the, uh, the, the Madden the Madden call guy David Sharpe one of the most hottest hidden safeties in the league <laughs> just gets destroyed by Marshawn Lynch on that play
0: yeah oh man that's good stuff man um, hopefully there's no Saints fans listening to this because you, you won't enjoy it but yeah um, <sighs>
1: well we mentioned
0: that they won the super bowl that's that's good enough yeah now they you know, yeah four. yeah they're 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 uh, you know a decent organization as far as feeling a good team um so kind of moving on here um here's another one that, that you and I I think you were at this game as well I know I I, I know I was at this game um now, so to set the stage it's 2015 um basketball season college basketball season was it, a
1: 20 it was it was a 2015 2016 season yeah right right so it may have been January January I think it was January because it was I want to say it was over Christmas break
0: yeah it could have been no no it wasn't over Christmas ba- break because I, I was at the game
1: okay well I mean well yeah we were always back early before class. I don't know it was it was what it was t- t- 2016
0: season it yeah doesn't matter um, so to kind of set the stage Um, It's number one Oklahoma versus number one Kansas. And I say that because I believe Kansas was number one in the in the AP poll and Oklahoma was number one in the coaches poll, which is actually a very rare thing. It does happen. But um, so it really was one on, you know, one A versus one B. Um, you know, regular season Big Twelve game is the first matchup of the year. Allen Fieldhouse. we I mean, were probably also. I, I don't remember exactly what the Big Twelve standings were at that moment
1: in time. I know KU went on to win the conference during their streak, their amazing streak of fourteen in a row. Um, but I want to say that Te- uh, Kansas and OU were tied for number one in the conference as well. So not only was this game, you know, a, a big national poll uh, game, but it was also
0: huge. I mean, big game of the year for the Big Twelve conference that decided who would win. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Um, so to kind of set the stage, um, Oklahoma's got two really good players on their team. I mean, um, Buddy Healed, who eventually won National Player of the Year that year, and then Ryan Spangler, the big tattooed white dude. Um, <laughs> uh, you remember him. It seemed like he was at Oklahoma for 10 straight years. But, um, yeah. I mean, it
1: looked like he was 35. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And then on KU, you just have a stack team. So, you know. If you're a KU fan out there, I mean, it's got all your favorite players. You've got Frank Mason, (laughs) Frank Mason, uh, Devontae Graham, Wayne Selden, and Perry Ellis. I mean, that is just unreal. Obviously, they were, you know, different ages and things like that, but that is just an incredible team. I mean, if you you ask me to pick my favorite KU team... That's probably the starting lineup. I mean, it's just awesome. Well, and,
1: that's, and I mean, you got, what is it? Devonte Graham, Frank Mason, and, um, Selden, Wayne Selden. They're all playing in the NBA right now. So you got three NBA players. I want to say that, uh, Perry Ellis was drafted. I'm not sure if he's playing in the NBA right now, maybe overseas.
0: No. Yeah. Um, he just recently injured himself. Uh, so get well, get well soon. he was playing overseas in Australia and Germany for a while. Um, you know, but get well soon, Perry. Um, but you know, he. I think he's like fourth all time in scoring for KU, which is. You well, know. he was
1: a four-year player, which yeah. is rare in college basketball these days, and, and the fact that he stayed all four years, he was, you know, uh, a guy focused on his education, which is also rare to be, you know, that good at basketball, uh, but still, you know, be real focused on graduating, going to school, and getting good grades. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Perry
0: for that. Yeah, and although most most great players don't stay all four years now, um, Kansas has the history of incredible players back to the 90s, 80s, 70s, 50s, 60s, all that stuff. Um 20s. so well yeah. And so for him to be number 4 all time in scoring, that's pretty rare, I mean, I know it's it's not number 1 overall, but to be number 4 at Kansas in scoring.
1: Well, top 5 in anything is pretty big deal at Kansas.
0: Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty fucking incredible if you ask me, excuse my language, but it's pretty amazing um for for just a good old Kansas boy from Wichita. So um So we've kind of...
1: Yeah, no, let's let's
0: hear the call. Yeah, uh, uh, we actually don't have the call for this one. You know, it was kind of back and forth, and we don't really have the call for this one um, because it was a trip.
1: There wasn't one play. It was was, was all game.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it was the whole game. It was back and forth um, for a little bit, and then Oklahoma had the lead for quite some time um, in regulation, and then KU came back to take it to overtime, and then they went back and forth again, and then... Oklahoma tied it up to take it to a second overtime. And then they take it to a third overtime. And then finally KU wins it. 109-106. Triple overtime. Elm Fieldhouse primetime game. And I got to say, that was the best sporting event I have ever seen in person or on TV. I mean, I know I'm a fan of Kansas, but it, it was absolutely like pins and needles
1: well, I mean, if you talk about Allen Fieldhouse, which is you know it, arguably in, in our opinion, obviously the best venue to watch a college basketball game, uh, you know, historic building, great teams for forever, um, and then you throw in a number one versus number one matchup, and throw in the fact, you know, personally for you and I, it was our senior year of college, which you know that's kind of when you're like, all right, you start thinking that you start thinking about it a little bit, hey man, like I only got a few more you know games, and Allen Fieldhouse as a student left, better enjoy them you throw that one in there to just top every game that you've ever been to in an amazing venue. It's hard to argue and say that wasn't the best game I've ever been to either.
0: Yeah. I remember, I remember my dad calling me after the game and just saying, I mean, you were just at the best sporting event I've ever seen in person or on TV. And I, I, you know, I was just like, yeah, I, I have no qualms with that. I mean, that's pretty accurate. I've never been in a, game like that before. I mean, there's been some great games in Allen Fieldhouse and great games i have watched on TV, but that was on a whole nother level. Um,
1: well, and, and other things too I think that's going kind to of help that game kind of live on uh, for years is the fact that Buddy Heal, you know, we mentioned he's a great player. He's playing in the
0: NBA. Uh, for the Kings? Kings in it? I don't know, um, man. The Kings got one nationally televised game this year, so that's hardly a team. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Well, hopefully he gets traded soon. Um, but anyway, He's in the NBA doing well, and uh, the fact that he scored 42 points in that game, which in college 42 points is rare. The games are shorter than they are in the NBA. That is a lot of points, even even if you throw in three overtimes. But but they and, and KU was able to beat them. But then after it wasn't just like oh yeah, buddy, yield. Everyone forgot about it. The, the Kansas fans, the Kansas crowd, which you and I were both a part of. I believe we were like sitting within you know 10 feet of each other too. Yeah, most likely, Maybe buddy yield. A standing ovation.
0: Yeah,
1: at the end of that game, which you know, in, in Allen Fieldhouse, we don't get standing ovations out lightly.
0: It's I've it, never it's seen great. it. I've it's never seen really it done. Really cool. I've never seen I mean, it done. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, just out of this world, man. Yeah, I mean, points. Forty six. Forty six points.
0: Yeah, that's unbelievable. Out of this world, and the and,
1: and we you know we stood up along with everybody a bunch of crazy college students and you know some people who have been watching Kansas basketball for 50 years, probably for season tickets, giving a guy a standing ovation in a venue like that. I mean, that's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 46 points. That's unbelievable. Um, You know, just to throw in there at the end, kind of Perry Ellis had 27 points. um, Great night for him, but it was really a a whole team effort from Kansas that night. And, um, you know, so that was a great game. And, you know, for me, that's the best sporting event I've ever been to um and you know i don't really foresee it being broken anytime soon um so yeah um so let's move on um this next one's kind of in your wheelhouse and i'll let you run with it but this is the 2011 dallas mavericks playoff run and nba title um so i'll let you kind of take it away yeah i
1: mean and this, uh, i don't know if we have a radio call for this one either
0: so we, we, not- we we don't um we, ha- we have one more um
1: but uh, this one was this one was crazy because I mean you know I've been a Dallas Mavericks fan my whole life. You know, I, I believe since you listen to some earlier episodes of this podcast. You already know that um, just growing up in the Dallas area. But Dirk Nowitzki, you know, longtime Dallas Maverick. He played his entire career, just retired this past season, his last one. But in 2011, I mean, he'd been around for a long time, over 10 years in the league. Never won a championship. Came close uh, in 2006. When the Miami Heat, led by Dwayne Wade and Shaq, uh, came back down 0-2 and and beat Dirk in the Mavs, which was, you know, really a lot of people were thinking that was going to be Dirk's legacy, right? Great player, but you know, chokes in the finals, chokes in the clutch, and this 2011 run that the Dallas Mavericks, led by Dirk Nowitzki, really the only the only All Star on the team, um, which is especially rare in today's super team era. Um, to be able to win a championship with one all-star, but he, he comes out and just blows through some amazing, amazing teams the Dallas Mavericks do throughout the playoffs in the Western conference. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think first round Portland trailblazers, tough team. Um, second round, Oklahoma city thunder with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden um, beats the thunder. And then Western conference finals, Defending champion LA Lakers, two-time defending champion LA Lakers, Kobe, Powell, Gasol, amazing team. The Mavs sweep them uh, in the Western Conference Finals, four to zero. Which everyone thought the Lakers were going to sweep the Mavericks. So the fact that you know it, it wasn't just the Mavericks won, but swept the Lakers, that was kind of a hey, you know we've arrived, look out. But then everyone still was completely discounting the Mavericks in the finals because they were playing the Miami Heat again so you know chance for some revenge for the mavericks but also no one thought there was even chance because it was lebron james dwayne wade chris bosh you know and the whole the heatles as they were called uh that year after lebron james's infamous decision
0: televised live on espn when he went to miami so oh, unbelievable man. teams
1: that they played against
0: yeah i mean i mean, I, I, I like the mavs um you know, I don't really have a team anymore now. Seattle's gone. I, I kind of like the Mavs, I like the Lakers, um, but I've never been a huge LeBron fan. Um, but you know, that I kind of liken it to this year. Um, you know, when the the Raptors ended up beating the Dynasty Warriors. Um, you know, kind of similar to that, where they took down the Super Team and nobody really counted them as a threat at all. So,
1: yeah, I mean, like the Raptors, obviously, like. I think, I think they got, you know, there was, there was a little bit of luck involved, which there is with, with most championships, and I'm sure the Mavs, you know, had their fair share there. theirs. Of course, I don't remember the, the lucky moments. I remember the, the, you know, the big shot or the exciting exciting dunk or whatever that, that, that sealed the game, sealed the run, and, and brought the title home. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think very similar in a lot of ways um, for maybe some of our younger viewers who are, who are getting in the NBA uh, since 2011. But um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, uh, kind of the, the LeBron or, or the dynasty killer, as he's been, been called. And, and Dirk Nowitzki um, took down the heat in 2011 and LeBron James before. And then after that was when LeBron James really started getting even getting criticized. I'm sure his whole career, you know, how can you be that great and not get some criticism? But the fact that that the Mavs beat LeBron. Um, and the heat was just something nobody saw coming, and and one of the reasons why I thought it was so cool because, you know, you watch the Mavs your whole life, and they never win a title. Everyone's saying they're never going to win, and then, you know, they come out of nowhere and and pull it off. Yeah, so it against, pretty exciting against
0: the big three, which is huge. Um, I can imagine that, and much.
1: the same and the same team and Dwayne Wade who took the championship away from him in two thousand and six. So mm. just a perfect team, perfect team, perfect guy to get some redemption for the collapse in 2006 that was that was Dirk's previous legacy and totally rewrite the history books yeah
0: so shout out to the old man the uh the 43 year old man uh is
1: he 43 probably 43
0: now I think he's 42 yeah 42 okay so yeah no I mean that's a cool cool moment and awesome run to the playoffs I love what an underdog like that can make a
1: Oh, and actually, i got to give a shout-out to one more guy, too, uh, before I forget. Deshaun Stevenson. Uh, I believe he was number 92 for the Mavs. which just kind of a rare number, uh, particularly in, in the NBA. Um, interesting guy. I believe he had a $5 bill tattooed on his neck. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, go look up Deshaun Stevenson. Uh, just, you know, get, give yourselves an idea of who we're talking about here. But this guy, he was kind of the the instigator, if you will, on the Mavs. Um,
0: well, what's his nickname? But, like, d- Deshaun ATM Stevens? or I don't, know, I don't know if anyone called him that. No, so he, I think he was going to get a
1: tattoo. The story is he was going to get a tattoo of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, because, you know, the civil rights movement, and, and of course, big hero to Deshaun. Uh, but See, but d- doesn't
0: the $5 tattoo on your neck kind of take away from that?
1: No, 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 no. So here's, so here's, so here's where we're, we're going here. you got to listen. So... He was going to get a Martin Luther King Jr. tattoo. One of his teammates, who he had talked about getting the tattoo with, uh, stole the idea and got the tattoo of MLK. Um. So then Deshaun, you know, being Deshaun, he couldn't get the same tattoo his teammate got. So he was like, well, I guess I'll just get the next best thing. And that's Abraham Lincoln, who, you know, of course, was the, the president during that time period. Uh, or not that, not the MLK time period, but the Civil War time period, obviously. Um, and I said, well, he's the next best thing. So I'll just get I'll just get Abraham Lincoln a $5 bill tattoo."
0: Okay. Well.
1: So anyway, that's what that's what he did. But he, uh, I believe, he, he really got under LeBron James's skin in that series, and I think was a big reason why uh, the Mavs were able to come out on top.
0: Wow. Well, as Denzel Washington would say, uh, "Sit your five dollar ass down."
1: Uh, <laughs> oh man. He uh, can get whatever tattoo he wants as long as he uh, guards LeBron James as well as he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's 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 a funny story dumb tattoo but funny story um so this next one is a, is a great iconic one um this one kind of stings for me now but back when i first watched it uh not as much but uh so all i'm gonna say is this is the kick six and we're gonna play the auto here for you so uh listen in all right here we go 56
1: yarder it's got no does not have the leg, and chris davis takes it in the back of the end zone He'll run
0: it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football
1: game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight.
0: Wow. How about that? I mean, if that's not – I mean, I know – I mean, I'm an Alabama graduate. But that call is absolute gold. That is radio gold right there. I
1: mean, what did I say? I said the Marshawn Lynch one was the funniest one. We're gonna talk about this one's probably the funniest one
0: we're gonna talk about. I mean, funnier than Marshawn Lynch. These are professional radio broadcasters, and just kind of preface this—you know—rest in peace uh, to the Auburn radio announcer uh, who passed away this uh, this past summer. Um, But what a call! I mean, just to hear them absolutely (laughs) lose it.
1: The moment when he goes from professional radio broadcasting announcer, you know, oh, he's standing in the back of the end zone, the kick is up, and uh, he's, he's caught. Now he takes it out to the 5, to the 10, and he just starts calling out yard lines. When he gets to midfield, everything totally changes from
0: calling the game to a Sh-
1: fan losing his mind.
0: <laughs> just shouting, oh, my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, is that is literally exactly what happens. All this guy's doing.
0: Can you, can you imagine if you're an Auburn fan listening to that in your car?
1: Well, okay, so I I, uh, I got to give a shout out to uh, one of my friends from high school who went to Auburn, uh, Ellie Inman. So Ellie, Ellie, if you're listening to this, uh, here's your her shout out. But uh, as the Auburn fan of my uh, my high school friend group, but uh, literally this, this girl lives lives and breathes Auburn football, um, and it is uh, <laughs> I watched a couple Iron Bowl games with her and, and some other friends uh, back in Dallas around Thanksgiving time. And I don't think we watched this one. I think this was when we were all in school, so uh, we were all, you know, doing our own thing. But she just, <laughs> when she talks about this game, it is, oh man, it just it just brings all the memories back, just like it is now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was watching this game. Uh, it was actually over Christmas break, um, and it kind of set the stage a little bit more, we didn't really do a great job of that. Um, but this is the 2013 Iron Bowl. Um, you know, Alabama, Auburn, and this game is at Auburn. Um, and you know, uh, I was at I was at a Washington basketball game um, with my brother over Christmas break, just because we wanted we had some tickets to go to the Washington basketball game. And uh, so we weren't watching the game. Uh, but then I go in, go on my phone for a quick second, and my the phone is just my phone just exploding, like text messages, <laughs> like. And I'm like, well, you know. So I go on Twitter and I and I watch the watch the play, and it's just like insane. I mean, talk about underdog taking down the big bad Alabama um, on a kick six. I mean, that is just insane. I've never even seen anything like that. Um, and, and it looked well, like not just a kick six, but a
1: 109 yard return. Too. He, like it wasn't just like oh, kick's blocked and, and it's returned. It was literally like this guy just ran the ball 109 yards.
0: Yeah, and, and he it looked like he steps out of bounds. But he, you know, he didn't. They um, did the video replay, and he didn't. Um, but you know, shout out to Chris Davis. I mean, I'm a Bama fan, and you know, I don't don't really care for Auburn. But that Davis, what did that get Auburn into the national championship too. I don't believe they won it, but didn't they get, didn't they get in? Yep, they, that got him into the national championship against Florida State. Um, but what a friggin' play, man! Like Chris Davis. Um, you know, I don't think he had an NFL career, or it was short lived. But you I mean you are an Auburn legend. You're a sports legend for life, um, you know, because of your effort on that play and the blockers too. So I mean, I just I just love that I love that call from the Auburn Radio Network. I mean, just he's calling the play, he's like, Oh, the forty, the forty five. You know, and then he just starts screaming and then you just hear the crowd erupt and it just you know, not you're not gonna keep the off the field tonight. Um, and obviously they all storm the field after the game because who wouldn't I mean, taking down the big bad Alabama like yeah, that. I think so. I want.
1: I, we got to back up, too, and continue to set the stage. Another thing I thought made this play so iconic was, you know, Nick Saban, everyone said, oh, he, greatest coach of all time, and I know you said it, uh, and, and other people do as well. This is probably, like, the one Nick Saban moment that I can say, like, he kind of made a bad coaching decision here, because the game had ended, right? The clock had run out, and Nick Saban argued with the refs for... I mean, I want to say like 20 minutes. He's arguing, "Hey, the clock didn't run out. There's one more second left. The guy ran out of bounds, or whatever. Whatever. There was an incomplete pass, and they were trying to figure out when exactly the ball, you know, hit the ground or touched touched out of bounds or something to, to stop the clock. And you know, after arguing for about 20 minutes, the the ref said, "Okay, there's one second left. We'll we'll give you one more play." So Alabama gets gets one more play, and you know. Everybody knows about Alabama's kicking history—the one weak link of the team. Yeah, Nick Saban puts out his kicker, and he says, "Okay, you know, it's a no lose situation, right?" He shanks it, 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 it; we go to overtime. He makes it; we win. There's no lose situation here. Sure. But you're sending a guy—you're sending a guy out here who can't, you know, make a 20 yard field goal, or you know, an Alabama kicking history who misses 20 yard field goals regularly, and you're asking this guy to kick a 60 plus yard or some really long field goal, whatever it was. And, I mean, is it really that surprising that this guy doesn't even kick it out off the field, that it just – it dies before it even gets out of bounds?
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's totally on Nick Saban for putting his team in the situation. And not only just, like, did it happen and he didn't have a choice, he had to argue for 20 minutes just to get his team in this position.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's on Nick Saban, and that's on the coverage team too. I mean, how do you not tackle the guy? Or or push him out of bounds. I mean, I mean, what What are you doing? So, well, I
1: think they were all just in so much shock. Like, just, I mean, you listen, like you said, listen to the call of this guy, like totally normal, and all of a sudden he just loses his mind. I, don't, I bet that was happening in all the heads of the players on the field. Just like, what is happening right now? Oh, my gosh. Did this, did this just happen? And they don't realize it until after the play's over and the game's over.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's that, up there in the top five of most iconic college football players, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, right up there with the the band is on the field. Yeah. I mean, that's Yeah. right up there
0: with that one for sure. Yeah,
1: that's
0: yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of th- thinking too, the yeah, band's yeah, on the field. The the you know, that and the, the Doug Flutie Hail Mary, I think those are kind of the top 3 um, you know, craziest football plays and um you know, so so that's a good memory especially for Auburn fans. I mean, you know, at the time I hadn't gone to Alabama and, you know, didn't root for them at all, but you know, it was, you know, at the time it was cool to watch. So, all right. So, um, so uh, as we kind of wrap up, we're going to go through some honorable mentions. We're kind of going to go through them a little bit quicker. Um, and we've got audio on my last one here, uh, but you know, just a couple honorable mentions here. Uh, the 2016 KU um, versus Texas, um, um, the football game. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're talking KU football again, deal with it. Uh, Oh, and Texas football. so to kind of set the stage here uh KU is the worst power five football team in America um and has been for the, at least the last seven eight years um, I, think, I
1: think we've already set the stage for that in the previous episodes huh? <laughs> yeah but if you're
0: just joining in now KU's garbage at football I think we're going to turn around this this year but um so KU is playing Texas in 2016 um our senior year at Kansas uh, we were both at the game um or no, well, actually, this was, year, this was a year after we graduated. Oh right, right. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So a year after we graduated, I was at the game. I was living in Kansas City at the time. I came back for the game with uh, Jacob Schultz. so Shout out Jacob. Um, but so, you know, um, Ku ended up defeating Texas in a last-second field goal to win the game, and Ku had this is n- the
1: first time that Ku has ever beaten Texas since like 1930.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ku had not beaten Texas in 80 years, which, I mean, I think that stat alone is more impressive than the whole win itself. <laughs> I
1: mean, if you play someone for 80 years and never win, I mean, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I guess they didn't play every year,
0: but they well, every yeah, year they, in they last, did. In the
1: last 20, they did
0: play every year. Not for all oh, people. you're right. You're right. Yeah, because Texas was in the Southwest Conference.
1: Different conferences until like the nineties, but since the nineties, they played every year. I think.
0: Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable.
1: Um, but yeah, anyway, that was well. And uh, the thing that I think is amusing is that was uh, that was Charlie Strong's last, not not just last day, but last few hours as the Texas coach. I want to say he got fired. Oh yeah, getting on the team plane after that game. I mean, it was yeah. like, you, you serious, man? You lost this game to the team we had to beat us in 80 years? <laughs> so he was he was
0: on his way out the door, and uh, that was what opened the door for the current coach. Tom yeah, Hammer. I mean, the fans rushed the field. Uh, I recall some photos of Jacob carrying the uh, goal post out and throwing it in the lake. Um, well,
1: that happened a couple of times when we were students because like, we won, like, four games, and I want to say it happened, like, every time we won. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it, it happened uh a few times but that was the i mean that that win was huge i mean texas wasn't great but you know kansas is terrible and you know to win in a fashion like that in a last second field goal to win the game at home um you know deep into the season uh, though that, that was a great feeling and um you know unfortunately charlie strong lost his job but you can't really lose to kansas um when you coach texas so um, you know, it was a good memory. Honorable mention. Uh, not, not too much else to break down there. Um, this next one is—I'll um, try to keep it quick, but just kind of the stage. It's uh, 2016, and it's the NFC Championship game: um, Seahawks versus the Packers. Um, we we do a lot of Seahawks and rock chalk talk on the show, and same with the Dallas Cowboys, just because you know that's who we're a fan of. But we try to keep it. You know, we we try to go. We try to uh, cover cover the other teams too. But um, you know, this one. Was pretty incredible. the uh, The Packers are winning the game, and, and they've got you know um, a two score lead. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got a two score lead, um, and it's in Seattle. Um, the Packers are up by twelve with five minutes and thirteen seconds left, and they blow the game. The Legion
1: of Boom arrives on the scene.
0: Yeah, and um, our I think it was our kicker threw a touchdown pass. Um so or uh, it was either a touchdown pass or an extra point I can't quite remember but they blew a 12 point lead in 5 minutes and 13 seconds which is the most insane thing i've ever seen from a professional football team um <laughs> but um well, the Dallas Cowboys have done it a few times too We're Yeah we'll, that, we'll 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 get to we'll we'll get to that it wasn't quite 12 points but they blew something coming up um <laughs> well, well that came out wrong um <laughs> um and and, oh and uh, there, you know, I was watching with uh, Kelly McKenna, out of the Buffalo Wild Wings, and a few other people, and she's a big Packers fan. I'm a big Seahawks fan, and, and the bar was mostly uh, Packers fans, but and so they were giving me crap all night because the Seahawks sucked the whole game, and um, and then then the Packers just totally blow it. They totally blow it. Uh, we you know we did an onside kick, and it just bounces through this Packers hands and into our one of our <laughs> players' hands, and it was just like dumb and dumber, and we won the game, and. I remember getting home because this was on, on our run to the first Super Bowl. This is our first Super Bowl since 2006 and our second ever. And I remember getting home and my buddy Jacob and Tom are there. And I just am like, we're going to the ship. I just was screaming like I was just on cloud nine because I'd never experienced something like that. Um, you know, it was just a great time and, you know, a, f- a fun game, um, especially if you're a Hawks fan or you just like to see comebacks. But, you know, it was good stuff. And I, I don't I don't believe you watched that game, did you?
1: I do not think I watched the game. I mean, I, I, I tried to tune in the NFL
0: playoffs, but I yeah. think that one maybe just neither of my team my team wasn't in it, uh, so I must have overlooked it. But yeah, I, definitely, I
1: mean, I remember I remember the Seahawks being in the Super Bowl, so <laughs> that, that that's, that's crazy how that's how I got
0: there. Yeah, you came to the the, the Super Bowl party and they they uh, beat the shit out of the Broncos within like thirty seconds. They did. They did. That game that game was over I after remember, like one but... quarter of football. Um, <laughs> I, I, can get, I can get away with talking about it on Fire Me Up, but I can't get away with talking about that game uh, here around town. So. <laughs> um, okay, so our last one, and Ben and I talk about this one, I don't know, we probably mention this like once a year. Uh, you know, every time once we see – Once a week, man. My <laughs> gosh, <it's> just, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, so to kind of set the stage, it's the, the 2006 NFC Championship between the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, Seahawks have never been to a – a Super Bowl at that point. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys is, a you know, probably the most recognizable, um, you know, brand in, in the NFL over the course of the last, you know, whatever, 60, 70 years. Um, you got Tony Romo at quarterback and you got Matt Hasselbeck at quarterback for the Seahawks. Um, Matt
1: Hasselbeck's getting quite quite a few shout outs. He was getting the, the beast mode run and the 2006 playoffs.
0: Yeah. yeah and so the, you know, the uh, the Cowboys are, I think they're 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 chipping like a twenty yard field goal, something like that, uh, to win the game. Um, and there's with like, no, like with no time left. There, yeah, like yeah, five the, left. yeah. There's less than a minute, uh, less than thirty seconds. Um, and so we'll kind of we'll we'll play the audio here, and then we'll kind of break it down just a little bit at the end. So. He Wow, I know that I know that was muffled audio, but that's oh, gold. I,
1: I, I'm not gonna lie. You know, most of these, you know, either one of us is on the winning end, and, and of course, you're on the winning end of this one. But even though I, my team is on the losing end, I still think this is absolutely hilarious. Like, just like, can you talk about unexpected? Like, what the? Are you what? No, are you kidding me? How did that
0: happen? So that was not the radio call. That was the TV broadcast call. Um but you got two legendary voices, and John Madden and Al Michaels, calling the game. And to kind of break it down for you, they're they're chipping like a twenty yard field goal, and Romo is the holder, which um, the starter is actually rarely the holder nowadays. Um, you know, and so Romo gets the snap. Well, and, the reason the reason he was was because he wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season,
1: he right? Was, he was the backup, right? And I think like you know a few weeks into the season. Uh, Bill Parcells, who was a Cowboys coach for, that was his final season as a Cowboys coach. And that was kind of, that kick was the reason why. Um, but, uh, Bill Parcells made the quarterback change, but then since Romo had already been holding the the snaps for kicks earlier in the season, they just didn't, they didn't want to switch that. And they just kept it, kept him doing it, um, throughout the rest of the season when they, after they moved him to starter.
0: Right. So they snapped the ball. Romo botches the snap, mishandles the ball, doesn't catch it. Drops it on the ground. Gramatica freaks out. The kicker for Dallas. Romo and also Gramatica, Gramatica. He's
1: known for his antics in previous on previous teams and previous years. But he's like a five foot six
0: Hispanic, five dude. foot
1: two Hispanic guy who has like a soccer background. Yeah. He, so the fact that he's in the NFL is kind of amusing to begin with. Yeah, he
0: was not tackling anybody that day especially not especially not Lofa he blocking. He wasn't blocking Yeah, yeah. Either. You know, uh, I would lo- I would pay money to watch Lofa Tutupu tackle that guy. Uh <laughs> I want to say Gramatica tried to block somebody after Romo dropped it so Romo could run and just like got himself leveled. And then Romo, he tries, so he picks up the ball and just has the most pathetic run. He tries to run that whatever 15 yards into the end zone and just gets tackled
1: yeah, it, was like, it was like it was like 4 yards but he was running at like a, in an angle so it
0: looked longer and yeah he, he and was he literally gets like on the goal line when he dropped the ball. and he he gets barely tackled by Jordan Babino and just falls to his face and that's the end of the game and the Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl i mean <laughs> no 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 that was not that was like the first round game you can't you can't, uh, you can't no that that was the uh that was the NFC championship i don't
1: think so man i'm pretty sure it was a wild
0: card game I- i'm positive that was the NFC championship uh, okay, no, because I, I want to say that was Romo's first playoff game, and, and uh, he lost his first playoff game. That was the beginning of the Romo never wins the playoffs train. Okay, we got to settle this. We have to settle this, because I'm pretty sure I...
1: Well, you guys went to the Super Bowl that year, but I think you had to beat some other teams after you beat the Cowboys to, to get there.
0: Oh, okay, so what would have been, 2005?
1: Uh, 06, maybe. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Romo lost that game, and that was his first and only playoff appearance.
0: At the time. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I totally blew that one. Um, well, and that's the only reason I know. Because if, if if it wouldn't have been the first round, then Romo wouldn't have got nearly as much of a hard time as he did. Yeah, because so. we played the Panthers. Um, we had a home game against the Panthers um, after that. So, um, you know, that was that was a fun. Well, and that
1: was, I mean, as a, as a Cowboys, you know, fan, that was literally that is the kind of thing that define has almost defines Tony Romo's legacy. And the reason why the Dirk Nowitzki 2011 finals run in the, for the Mavs was so memorable to me because Dirk kind of had the chance to turn his legacy around, but Romo never really got that chance. And so his legacy kind of always remains as the guy who, you know, fumbled in the clutch.
0: Yeah, that that's, that's terrible. I mean, that is such a bad way to end the season. I mean, how do you get that taste out of your mouth? Well, that's why Bill quit too. He quit. He wasn't fired. He just quit. He said, I can't take, I can't take a collapse like this. I'm done. <laughs> oh boy. Sean Alexander and company ending careers. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Man, that, that was good oh, stuff. Man. Hey, well man, it, it's been a, it's been a fun episode. Um, you know, I don't know if you have any parting words or anything, but it's been great. And uh, you know, this will be a great episode to publish. So.
1: Football follies, fire me up edition.
0: Yep, fire me up. All right, we'll oh, see you. Ne- we'll see you next week, uh, barring any uh, injuries. Um. <laughs> All right, see you later. Good
1: time as always.